this is a completely random question, but that's what, uh, that's what we do. Who is the most famous person you have ever interacted with in person? In person? Uh, person. Gosh, well, that really narrows it down because, you know, my, my entire existence is uh, this podcast and my Twitter <laughs> account. I don't right. actually exist in real life. So, right. so you really put me on the spot there. But I used to work at a Barnes and Noble in Leawood, Kansas. Uh, that was, that was kind of my, my bridge year job between uh, uh, college and law school. And I met a number of famous people there. I say, I say met, but I, I like author signings. No. So, so I have two that will, will immediately jump out. So the first okay. one was Herm Edwards. Okay. Oh, nice. And he bought a book for me. I was working at the front desk. I, I usually would like stock. I would work in the back. And then during the holidays, you know, back when people bought books and we could go to stores and things like that, oh. uh, stuff would get real crazy there. So, you know, they like cross train me to, to go do the register and things like that. And, you know, you'd have lines like halfway through the store was real crazy. Uh, so, uh, so Herm bought a book for me one time uh, during Christmas. This was after his chief's career was over. I guess he still was living in Kansas city. He kind of yeah. was doing some ESPN stuff from time to time. Yep. Um, but he just came up and I said, Hey coach. And he said, Hey, and uh, he bought the book. And that's about all I remember about that transaction. Um, yeah. It wasn't like, I mean, obviously you don't remember the book, but it would have been awesome if it was something sure. off the wall and great, but sure. Sure. I don't remember the book and it was not, you know, how to coach football for yeah. dummies, yeah, right. something like that. It wasn't like that. Um, I don't remember what it was. And I'm sure that if it had been something like that, I would remember what it was. I'm sure it was something completely nondescript, but in that very same Barnes and Noble, uh, the one, the only, the shining light of Kansas city celebrity scene, Paul Rudd nice. came in one time and you know he's just one of those celebrities that's like you know he's like a regular dude right like you i mean you know you uh he's just uh he's looking at the uh the lps you know the uh the records in the music <laughs> section he's just kind of chilling around and of course like people are sort of following him yeah at, like a safe distance you know this was before twitter was really big you know before you know you had all the social media accounts and whatnot you know i'm sure i would have taken pictures and things like that but but those are those are probably the ones for me i think you know pretty much all of my famous person interactions could be traced back to that that one barnes and noble that i worked at so i've got two my first one was also when i was working i worked at a travel store in uh at like 119th in kansas city And I, so we would sell really expensive luggage, like way too expensive. And one night I was working and around probably 730 or so in walks Carlos Beltran. And I was a big Royals fan, obviously, and immediately recognized him. And I was working with two people that didn't recognize him at all. So I was like, I got this guy. And I walked up and (laughs) he said he was there with his uh, I assume they were probably married at the time, his wife, I think. And he said, um, uh, he spoke really good English and he said, hi, I'm uh, picking up some, ba- or I'd like to look at some bags. And I said, oh, you going on a trip? And he goes, actually, they just traded me to Houston today. Holy shit. Wow. Yeah. Cause I actually, when he said they just traded me, I did say like Carlos Beltran, I'm a huge fan, you know? So he already knew that I knew he was a baseball player, but then he said they traded me to Houston today and it had already broken, but um, I hadn't put two and two together. And so that was, well, that was, was really probably exciting. also the age before social media. You didn't immediately find out on Twitter. That's right. I wasn't sitting there. I was, you know, 15 or 16. I wasn't refreshing Twitter every 10 seconds. You like. know, what's funny about that is that I actually was at the game that day because nice. it was a day game. And this was uh 
this was circa that would have been in 2004 that they Four. traded yep. them. Yep, 2004. Right. Uh, so we were juniors in high school, and it was a day game, and Chris George was pitching for the Royals, and the Royals just got their asses completely blasted yeah. in this game. And Carlos Beltran, in sort of a sort of a microcosm of his Royals career, he hit a solo home run in the first inning. <laughs> he was batting second behind, I'm sure, Angel Barroa was leading off Probably. because Tony Pena was a savage. Yeah. And so he, of course, made an out, and then Carlos Beltran hit a solo home run to left field. And then the Royals lost that game like 15 to one. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he we goes, left him I'm like the sixth <laughs> We left him like the sixth inning, and yeah. then they traded him to Houston. Yeah, yeah, yep, exactly right. So that was one. Uh, he's, you know, obviously fairly famous. And then uh, my second one is surprisingly more famous than Carlos Beltran, although you wouldn't think it. Hmm. And uh, hmm. there was a guest speaker that came to Kansas City, oh, probably 10 years ago or so now, maybe a little bit later. And uh, me and my friends were huge fans of this guest speaker. So we wanted to go see what he had to say and go meet him and stuff and that is of course the one the only Giorgio Tsoukalos of ancient aliens fame oh wow so he's the I'm not saying it's aliens but it's aliens guy with a huge hair you know the, the crazy guy sure, so, of course so of course. we were we were big fans I had this purple shirt with a white image of his face on it that I bought specifically <laughs> for this occasion I wore it there we met him afterwards I had him sign my shirt he was super chill and cool and not like off the wall wild like he just his talk was very intelligent and very you know just level-headed and uh i was very impressed by him Welcome in to It's Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom, brought to you by Sports Illustrated's Arrowhead Report, si.com slash NFL slash Chiefs, or on Twitter at SI Chiefs. I'm Austin. You can find me on Twitter at Real Bird Lawyer. That's an Always Sunny in Philadelphia reference. Here with me, as always, is my man Taylor Witt. You can find him on Twitter at Taylor underscore Witt. That is a reference to his real name, <laughs> which is Taylor Witt. Taylor, what's going on? That's a birth certificate reference right there, guys. Boom. It's a deep cut. Yeah, the long form birth certificate, probably. <laughs> we got a great show for you guys today. We've got t-shirts. Taylor, tell them about the t-shirts. The t-shirts are on the way. They are going to be sent to my house. I'll then turn them around and send them out to the fine folks that ordered them. We had uh, high 20s on the number of t-shirts that were ordered, so that's very fun and cool. We're going we're gonna to have some people that are uh, going to be rocking the It's Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom t-shirts. Hell yeah, it's going to be amazing. And if you want a shirt, I'm sure we could do a second batch. So send Taylor a DM. Yeah. His DMs, ladies, are open. Ladies. We got news. As always, we're going to break down the Chiefs' horrific, appalling, just uh, god-awful swing and a miss 2000 Royal for Royals-esque stretch in free agency. I mean, that's a reference to the losing. Um, there, I was trying to bring it back to the Carlos Beltran thing. It's fine. It's fine. We're just going to move on from that. We're going to do a thing called what are the chiefs going to do it blank? Sorry. I couldn't come up with a better title. For that, guys. We're just going to, we're just going to talk about what we think the chiefs are going to do at a particular position group. In this case, wide receiver, because as I just mentioned, Chiefs has struck out on a lot of free agents. Uh, so that'll be pleasant. That'll be fun. We're going to talk about that. 
inspired by a mailbag question by one of our loyal listeners, Mr. Jack Kelly, the big hand lawyer himself. We're going to talk about where the AFC West stands after two weeks of free agency. And I got to be honest with you, Taylor, I did this only because the Raiders have had a worse offseason than the Chiefs. And I just want to kind of make myself feel better about where things stand with the Chiefs, if we're being honest. And then we're going to close this out with a roast of the 2011 draft class, which I picked at random last episode. Turns out, actually a pretty good draft class. <laughs> yeah, we're going to roast it anyway. We're, we're going to dig into it. We're going to we're going to go deep on the 2011 draft class in the future. I've been teasing this for a while. We're going to do a roast of John Gruden, which somehow we have not done a roast of before. He's like the most roastable person in like the history of the NFL. So we're going to we're going to dedicate some time here in the next couple of episodes. TBD when exactly that is. But we're going to give him a little bit more time to do some dumb stuff this offseason first before we do that. So, Taylor, news, 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 news. news. I got to tell you, Taylor, I'm not excited about this news segment. Yeah, it's uh, the news. You know, it was very good for the Chiefs for a very long time. And then it kind of took a turn and hasn't really turned back yet. It hasn't really turned back since that first week of February when things all went wrong. The Chiefs uh, obviously came out hot at the start of free agency. They signed Joe Tooney, a guard out of New England, to a large deal. They brought in um, Kyle Long out of retirement. Long, 69, signed him up at guard. And since then, they have tried and failed to land a number of free agents. So let's just kind of tick through the list here. Uh, Trent Williams, they went to the mat, left tackle out of San Francisco, went to the final whistle on him, couldn't land him. He went back to San Francisco. They were interested in Juju Smith-Schuster, who we both plugged on this podcast last week and the week before that. The Chiefs were interested. They did actually offer him more money than Pittsburgh did. The Chiefs offered him $8 million plus $3 million in possible incentives. Pittsburgh offered him $8 million straight, no possibility of making more than $8 million. He chose to go back to the Pittsburgh Steelers for some reason. Josh Reynolds, a former wide receiver of the Los Angeles Rams. He went to Tennessee. Chiefs were interested in him. Kawan Williams, cornerback of the 49ers. He, he actually visited, Taylor. He, he came to Kansas City. He ate our barbecue. <laughs> he saw our Super Bowl trophy that he didn't win in 2020. And then he also left. And he went and signed back with the 49ers. And then yesterday, or excuse me, on Tuesday, Melvin Ingram visits. I guess it was yesterday, Wednesday, whatever day it was. It's all blended together. Melvin Ingram, defensive end, formerly of the Chargers, comes in. That visit supposedly went well, but as of right now, he does not have a contract. He left the city. Taylor, what is going on? What What's happening? Well, for some positions, it does kind of make sense that if you want a one-year deal, for example, wide receiver, everything else being equal, if you're a wide receiver going out there and signing a one-year deal, you probably want a lot of opportunities and a lot of focus on the offense on you if you can, if you're the type of wide receiver to swing that type of attention. And the Chiefs just aren't really a good destination for that type of wide receiver. With Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey – they're, they already eat up so many targets and all that type of stuff that that position specifically, I can see a scenario where a guy says, man, just for one year, I don't think I'm going to go there and, and be third on their team. I'm going to go get all the targets in Tennessee or get all the targets in Pittsburgh or whatever. Now, for other positions, for you know, left tackle and for cornerback and for all these <laughs> other you know linebacker, edge, all these – I can't explain it. I don't know what it is about the chiefs that people aren't 
you know, that they're not finishing the deal. It's been, uh, it's been shocking considering where this team has been recently. They are the winningest franchise since Patrick Mahomes took over and it's not translating. It's very, it's very odd. And I like that you made that point about wide receiver. That's something that I've thought as well, you know, to that, I would add in addition to the, the idea of them maybe not wanting to be the third option on the chiefs and then hit free agency again next year. Wide receiver is a position that has a bit of a learning curve. It's different from something like running back, which is going to be a pretty, you know, plug and play. You, you have to learn specific pass protection concepts for each different, you know, offense in the NFL, but you know, run left, you know, run behind the left tackle, run behind the left guard, you know, that kind of stuff is all pretty standard. It's pretty easy to pick up. Uh, We have heard in the past that Andy Reid's wide receiver playbook is pretty tough to pick up and, you know, it takes guys a while. Um, And I guess in the case of Juju and some of these other guys that we're looking at, maybe a one-year deal in Kansas city, maybe they didn't want to come in, learn a new offense and be the third option and then try to get paid in free agency next year. I kind of get it, but man, I, I don't, I don't understand why we're striking out at the other positions. I, I got to tell you, I, we're coming off back-to-back Super Bowls, Taylor, and we have a lot of cap space. The chiefs are yeah. currently sitting, I think the 10th most effective cap space in the NFL for yep. the 2021 season. And they're just, there's not enough good players left for them to use up all of that cap space. They can roll some of it over obviously, but just a just a bizarre week in free agency. Yeah, it doesn't really track with, you know, our understanding. Of course, we do have our our Chiefs tinted glasses on, but our understanding of this franchise's position in the NFL and desirability to come join a a storied and winning program like this and go chase rings and do all the stuff that going into the offseason, you know, we were we were hyped that it was one year deal season. Because that's like, man, what team would you not want to, you know, would you want right. to go to more than the Chiefs to go chase a ring for a year? I mean, that's, yep. they've been to back-to-back yep. Super Bowls. There is no right. better team. And right. there's really not much about what happened in the previous Super Bowl that is super concerning moving forward as far as, you know, the entire line was decimated. Chiefs bring back a couple pieces on the line and, and next thing you know, you know, things are rolling. But instead, now you're wondering kind of, you know, what, what's wrong with us? Why, why don't they want to play football with us? It doesn't make a lot of sense. It doesn't make a lot of sense. The chiefs have struck out on pretty much every free agent wide receiver on the market. So Nate Taylor actually wrote a piece today that they actually thought Corey Davis was maybe going to be their top target. And I don't know who his source was on that. Um, We never heard anything at the time that the chiefs were linked to Corey Davis. He signed early and for way too much money with the jets. He got three years, $27 million ended up being kind of a, a bold signing by the jets uh, early in free agency before the market kind of settled and sagged a little bit. Juju Smith Schuster went for a one year deal. You know, Josh Reynolds ended up signing for not that much money. Uh, Curtis Samuel apparently also linked to the chiefs at one point he did sign a three-year deal for a pretty good chunk of chains with the uh with the old football team out in washington but man i I just um it's tough to understand what this could be i've heard uh, a theory that maybe agents are pissed off at the chiefs because of the patrick mahomes deal which that would be petty it would be petty i kind of get it a little bit on some level because Boy, we talked about this in great depth last week. I mean, it just 
it's going to be such a competitive advantage for the Chiefs, but it's only a competitive advantage if they can turn the extra <laughs> cap space into signing players that are worth paying money. And yeah. and so far this week, they have not been able to do that. It just is, uh, it's frustrating. Well, and the agents are supposedly there for their clients first and foremost, and that would be a horrible look if their clients found out that they were not getting as much money as they possibly could because they were pissed off about a, a deal with another. I mean, that that, that that's just really... Um, it's really unprofessional and very hard to believe, but yeah. whatever the case may be, it's something, it's not nothing. I don't know what the deal is, but I know that it's not a coincidence. It just doesn't feel, you know, it doesn't feel like a coincidence that all these players are saying no to the chiefs. I just, uh, as a, as a chiefs fan, it's been very, very frustrating. And I don't remember an off season this frustrating, even when we sucked, like, it's just, it's like the, the opportunity is right there they just need to plug a couple holes and no one's given us any plugs yeah it, it they they had the opportunity in some cases in some cases with these players the chiefs were offering as much or more money yep. to come play in objectively a better situation from a football standpoint than any other team in the nfl you're coming to play with andy Reid and patrick mahomes great players and- great coaches everything yeah, championship caliber team, great chance to come in and win a ring and offering top dollar. And guys are still saying, nah, I'd rather sign with the 49ers to block for Jimmy Garoppolo or no, I'd rather catch passes from 39 year old Ben Roethlisberger. It just doesn't, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. We'll see what the chiefs are going to do this coming week. There still are a decent number of okay players left. Uh, I got to tell you the wide receiver situation, which we're going to talk about in our next segment. It's, it's wiped out. It's, it's barren. The cupboard is completely dry, but there are some interesting defensive players left and maybe the chiefs can swoop in kind of in the second wave of free agency and sign some decent guys. They are supposedly interested in Russell Okun. We saw that today, uh, left tackle and uh, Bitcoin enthusiast. Yeah. So he would be, uh, you know, he'd be kind of fun. He's a, he's a left tackle. Chiefs don't currently have one of those on their roster. So that would be kind of a, a fun little situation, but I'm getting depressed by this. Let's move into uh, the players that the chiefs actually signed. Cause that can't be depressing. Right. So, <laughs> so let's start with uh, the news that dropped on Friday last week, uh, the day after we recorded last week's pod, we found that the chiefs had missed out on Juju Smith Schuster, despite offering more money than the Steelers did. And then we heard the news that Mike Rimmers is coming back and contemporaneously with the news that he had signed a new deal with the chiefs for one year, his agent tweeted out that he was going to be the starting right tackle. I just yeah. want your your immediate reaction to that news when when it dropped. So you don't get that type of vocabulary very often from agents. You don't. You like don't. specifically with a guy that's not guaranteed to be the starter. Like it's one thing if they had said, you know, you know, signed a big name guy and then said he's the Chiefs starting whatever. Like, but yeah. that's, that's, this is Mike Remmers. This is not a guy that's going to walk in and immediately be the day one right tackle, but the agent, apparently, I don't know if that's something that he was just talking up his client and just saying, Oh, hell yeah. I got the starting right tackle for the chiefs. Or if that was some sort of deal with the devil that the chiefs made him that they were like, yeah, you can come back and we'll give you $3.3 million and you'll be the starter guaranteed. 
without even seeing who we draft or seeing who else we pick up in free agency. I, I've got to think it was just the agent getting a little too ahead of himself. Yeah. It, it seems like he probably was getting a little frosty there. There was some, there were some reports afterwards that he was going to compete for the right tackle job, which certainly is much more palatable. <laughs> yeah. That's literally what we would expect from. Yeah. 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 From Mike Grimmer. Sure. Yeah. Who is, by the way, he's fine. He's yep. a fine, he's yep. a fine swing tackle and he actually played pretty well at right tackle before fish got hurt. I mean, the Chiefs yeah. like, the Chiefs didn't have any real offensive line. I mean, they had some issues with their offensive line, but really like the Buffalo game before Eric Fisher got hurt, the offensive line was really good in that game. Yeah. And then losing Fisher and having to move everyone around on the offensive line again for the Super Bowl and then playing the Bucks, who obviously had just a, a hellacious defensive line. That was when it all kind of fell apart. He's fine to come back. And that's yep. going to be kind of the, the theme of these signings that we're going to tick through it's fine. It's all fine. Everything is fine. The Chiefs still have Patrick Mahomes. They still have Andy Reid. They still have Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill and Tyra Matthew and Chris Jones. They will be fine. It just is regrettable that they are, are not much more than fine at this stage of the offseason. The next one after Mike Rimmers was Dirty Dan. And that is kind of, that's met with a lot of kind of, you know, half grins in Chiefs Kingdom and a lot of kind of, oh, Dirty Dan. But I mean, look, the guy's been here since 2014. He has put in his time. He has been part of some monumentally big plays for the Chiefs. Yes. Sure, he gets lost every now and then. But, I mean, nobody's expecting Dirty Dan to be a superstar corner of the offense or defense that, you know, like we're not relying heavily on him. He's a fine guy to have there. And, obviously, if the Chiefs keep bringing him back, they like him. So, I'm I'm fine with it. It's only $2.4 million. It's not a not a huge deal. Yeah, and they did this really nifty uh, little deal where they signed him to a four-year qualifying offer. I'm not sure exactly how that works. There's a lot of weird salary cap manipulating moves, some of which we talked about on this podcast that I do feel knowledgeable about. Yeah. Somehow they signed him to a one-year fully guaranteed contract that spreads the cap out over four years. I don't know how they did it, but they did it. It's, it's cool. Don't I mean, you think it's weird that it's $2.4 million that they decided to spread out? Like, you can, you know, you drop a penny in the NFL and find $2.4 million. It doesn't really make sense that that little amount of money is what they decided to do that with, but meh, whatever. It is weird. It is weird. I am not going to say that it's not, it's weird, but I, I also don't mind the signing. I mean, the, the theme of all the chief signings so far, with the exception of the new guys they brought in long and Tooney has been, you know, I mean, they're, they're guys that they're bringing back. I mean, they're doing the run it back thing again, minus their two tackles. So, you know, so Pringle, Ward, Neiman, Blake Bell is kind of bringing back. Yeah, and minus possibly Sammy Watkins. We'll we'll get into him. Yeah, sure. Later. But Dirty Dan is back. He will be a contributor on defense. He'll be a contributor on special teams where he, like you said, he's had on special teams some of the biggest plays of the Chiefs, you know, postseason runs the last two years. Yep. I, I mean, He's been huge. The Houston game alone. just He uh, won the Houston game by himself. Absolute fixture of that game for sure. Yeah. I mean, he's a fine guy to have around and he's not very expensive. So if you're one of the people that's blown up Twitter because the Chiefs re-signed Dan Sorensen, get a life. Come on. That's (laughs) ridiculous. It's he's fine. He's fine. Uh, Speaking of fine and maybe, I don't know. Is Demarcus Robinson the dirty Dan of the offense? Man, I think he might be. Man, you just ran into that one and boy, does that work. 
I I did just run into it. <laughs> I thought I thought of this not for one second prior yeah. to putting them next to each other in the show doc that we're yeah. working from here. But he is right. Like I mean, like he is. Uh, he gets lost. Like you said, it's a great yeah. way to describe. <laughs> it's a great way to describe what Dirty Dan does on defense. <laughs> he he gets lost on offense uh, yeah. a lot, and he'll do some really stupid things. And then on the flip side, he has like half of Patrick Mahomes <laughs> career, career highlight reel. Yeah, yeah, just like he he does. I mean, he's been he's, around for a while. They trust around, him. They yeah, keep bringing right. him back. Like, yeah, D Rob and Dirty Dan. Sure, D Rob and, and Dirty Dan. Two peas in a pod. The uh, the Dirty Dan of the offense, Demarcus Robinson, is back. He's on a one year veteran minimum deal, essentially. So like, he took a one year deal to stay with the Chiefs last year. Yeah, and he's taking another one year deal to stay with the Chiefs for even less money this <laughs> year. So like, again. He knows this is his best landing spot. Sure. I can't be upset about it. And, you know, there's something to be said for guys who are fixtures of the team. I mean, a guy like Garrick Dieter, for example, who we'll talk about in the next segment. Yeah. Maybe it's finally his time to shine. But, you know, guys who are essentially glorified team mascots in a way um, that kind of hang around and they catch a pass from time to time. But, you know, they're guys that are part of the wide receiver room or part of the safety room or whatever, and they're guys that have been around for a while and that people like to have in the building, right? Like, there's something yeah. to be said for those types of players, especially if they're not costing you a lot of money. I, I'm i fine with it. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. We also would be remiss if we did not wish good fortune to our pal Damian Williams, who signed a one-year deal with the Chicago Bears. That was, uh, you know, no – Nothing but good luck for our guy that ran into Chiefs immortality. Yeah, and you know what? That'll be kind of a fun little uh, a fun little landing spot for him. Now their quarterback is Andy Dalton, which right. is unfortunate Yeesh. for Bears fans. I do feel bad for them. You got to feel like uh, you know Matt Nagy might be uh, on his way out at the end of the season. Certainly, Ryan Pace. Have you seen, by the way, Ryan Pace, the Bears GM? Have you seen his neck? <laughs> Great question. No. Google Ryan Pace neck right now. Just I want you to give me. I want you to give me your your unfettered. Uh, I just want you to to tell me what you think about Ryan Pace. Oh neck. my god! It's like the it. It's extremely long. Yeah, like yes. the longest neck I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah it looks like two necks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like if you combine Ryan Pace's neck and Tyree Kill's neck, you'd have one normal neck. Oh wow, this guy is shaped extremely odd. <laughs> yes, he is. Sorry to derail the podcast. With I mean, Ryan that's Pace's worth neck, it. My wow. goodness. So if you're listening to this podcast right now and you're not familiar with Bears GM Ryan Pace and his extremely long neck, go Google that right now. It's Dude, uh, it's worth a look. This is impossible. He literally looks like a dinosaur. Like he does. He looks that, like a he looks like a giraffe person. It's it's very strange. Uh, huh. he's probably gonna be out of a job as well, yeah. but maybe he can find a position in a circus sideshow somewhere. Yeah, or a tall tree maybe, somewhere. You know, sure, a tall of. tree. Right, exactly. Um, he probably could get some uh, some part-time work doing something like that. That's going to do it for at least the Chiefs-related news. Not a whole lot of NFL news that was of note. I mean, the Sean Watson thing is still going on. We'll talk about that if and when it you know kind of blows up. Uh, I don't know. Any big free agent signings? Kenny Galladay signed with the uh, the Giants. Mm, you know, eh, yeah. that do anything for you? I, I don't no. know. Uh, Carlos Dunlap just recently signed with Seattle. That news broke as we started this, which was another defensive end that 
you know, was kind of on people's. He's one of the better talents available in the pool, but no longer. Uh, if the pool's shrinking. The pool's shrinking by the hour. The pool is rapidly draining, and the Chiefs got to find a way to get some of that free agent pool water. I, I don't know that analogy. <laughs> uh, we're going to do a new segment now, Taylor, that I that I came up with today while I was at work, and it's called "What Are the Chiefs Going to Do at Blank?" We're going to have to come up with a better title for that, but. This is just kind of a vehicle for us to discuss the situation that has developed that has transpired with the Chiefs at wide receiver. And there's a couple of positions for sure that we can do this for Mm -hmm. in the coming weeks. Uh, Obviously, the next one's going to be probably offensive line. Yeah, yeah, left tackle, Uh, right tackle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. And But maybe, maybe, fingers crossed, maybe the Chiefs will have solved that by next week. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, we said that last week. Yeah, we did say that last week, and it didn't happen. And we also hope that they would solve wide receiver by this week, and they have not. So I just want to go through – I want to go through the remaining options at wide receiver and uh, gird yourself because this is a <laughs> this is a, this is is a a tough list to go through. So I would say the best remaining wide receiver option is either Sammy Watkins Oof. or Antonio Brown. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I would yeah. say that's uh, – they both have – obvious gigantic red flags but yeah. they're both kind of have some upside a little bit yeah I, I we talked about this off air earlier today and you're not sure how much antonio brown has left as a football player but no. i think i think he's still probably pretty good and i think as a one number two wide receiver in this offense he would absolutely feast unfortunately he comes with a host of uh off field issues baggage you know, the helmet thing, the rape allegations, the freezing his feet off thing, the fact that he's a big fan of Tom Brady. Those are all major. <laughs> those are all major character flaws. Yes. Okay, you, the last one, especially. Yes, for sure. But at this point in time, he's about the only guy that I would get really jazzed if the Chiefs signed. Now, listen, I've heard you Chiefs fans. You've been in my mentions every time I've said anything about Antonio Brown in the last couple of weeks. I get that many people hate Antonio Brown, and that is perfectly understandable he is a bad human being and he is a goofball and he's very obnoxious but this is where i'm at in the offseason taylor yeah i mean you know we got to win football games yeah we do and there's not a lot of wide receivers left that can help us do that let's go through this list the third name that i have on here and i kind of just put these in a loose order of kind of who i would consider to be the best options uh the third name on this list is golden tate and Golden Tate is, let's see, let me just Google this here real quick. <laughs> wait, Golden what are you, Tate, wait, wait, wait. Are you Googling his age? I am. I am going to say he's 30, exactly. Oh, he's 32. And in Dang. fact, he will be 33 when the season starts. Because Jeez, he's older than I thought. He's hey, very, like 32? Yes, he's actually older than Antonio. Brown. Oh, that's impossible. Yeah, yeah I, I'm surprised by that as well. Uh, and in terms of their football age, you know, I mean, I mean, yeah, Antonio Brown is a year younger or actually, let's see. They were Isn't both, AB they, 32? They're, 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 they're the same age. They're the okay. same age. Okay. AB was born in July and Golden Tate was born in August. So uh, actually Antonio Brown is a month older than Golden Tate. Gotcha. 
And Des is like 32, I think. Des Bryant is also 32. He's the same age. And obviously, in terms of their football ages, they're all in wildly different places. Yes. Uh, Antonio Brown, in terms of his football age, is probably still around like 29, <laughs> 30 years old. <laughs> yeah. In terms of his mental age, he's around <laughs> a thousand. 15, 16 is what oh. I was going to say, in terms oh, of like sure. his, his maturity level. Yeah. Did you know that he has a child named Autonomy, by the way? Wow. I just uh, just Googled him and I did Autonomy not know that about Brown. him. He, he also has somebody named Apollo, Apollo Brown. So mm. uh, anyway, learning all kinds of fun stuff today. All of his children have names that start with A. He's one of those guys. Oh, yeah. Um, Golden Tate is a guy that I'm into because he liked and replied to a Twitter tweet in my mentions. And uh, he said that going to Kansas City would be, and I quote, lit. So, uh, you know, he's he's out there. Now, you peruse his Twitter account. Give me give me a scouting report on uh, what you think the motivation was there. <laughs> there was an NFL Network bit uh, two days ago where someone said, if I were the, G- the Green Bay Packers, I would go out and sign Golden Tate. And he quote tweeted that and was like, that's a great idea. So, I mean, <laughs> I think he's probably just uh, kind of, you know, kind of angling for a job. But, you know, I mean. If he says it would be lit, you at least know that he's got interest. And that's that's a good first step. That's more than we can say about yeah, apparently anyone. any other wide anyone. receiver on the market this offseason because none of them have been interested in coming back. Golden Tate uh, obviously played last season at the age of 32. He played for the New York football giants. He started four games, played in 12, 388 yards on uh, 35 catches, 52 targets. So, you know, he's uh, he's cruising along. A couple of <laughs> touchdowns. Two years ago in 2019 with, again, I mean, he's playing with Daniel Jones. So like, what are you going to do? Uh, 676 yards, six touchdowns. That's not a bad line. And in 2018 between Detroit and Philly, he had 795 yards, four touchdowns. Last 1000 yard season was in 2017, but that was also his last season with, you know, pretty good QB play throughout. I think he could be okay. And he's yeah. uh he's one of those dogs you want on your team. You know, he's a tough player, a lot of energy uh, and, and, he has the number one quality, which is shows interest in being a champion. <laughs> That's all it takes at this point. His best ability is availability. That's correct. Because this next tier is getting real dark real quick. We got Alshon Jeffrey on here, former Eagle. I don't even know if he's ever going to play in the NFL again. The Eagles cut him. I have not heard anything about him. Adam Humphreys, just kidding. He signed with the football team today. He was going to be next on the list. Cordero Patterson, just kidding. He's a running back. So, you know, yeah. I probably can't be signing him to play wide receiver. Uh, Demarcus Robinson, re-signed. Boom. Got him. Knocked one off the list. Got, got him. One last name to throw out here before we get to our in-house options. What are your thoughts on Josh Gordon? Oh, you know, Seattle has tried to make it work and it never really worked, but um, why not? If they could bring Josh Gordon in on a vet minimum. So what if they kick him out two weeks later? Got to give him a shot. You know, we have one thing in Missouri that Seattle does not have, and that is uh, laws that make it illegal to consume marijuana. (laughs) <laughs> like so, that's never stopped him before. That's that's fair, but uh, Washington has uh, some pretty liberal marijuana laws. So you know, I mean, there wasn't a lot of uh, restraint there. I, I guess we could just, you know, we could probably we could probably hire like a cop or something to trail him. I don't know, make sure he's not doing any doing any weed. I I don't think you're stopping Josh Gordon from from smoking marijuana. So his availability nope. probably would be pretty limited if he were to sign with the Chiefs. But I don't know at this point, why not? You want to talk about our in-house options, Taylor? 
options at wide receiver if you can call them that. Uh, sure. So we got Tyree Kill. He's extreme. He's a lock. He's like the best tight end or best wide receiver in football. He's great. Sure. And that's one option. And then from there, it's uh, it's a cast of characters. You know, we've got our second round bust, Nicole Hardman. I guess bust is probably a little harsh, but he certainly is not. Great. He's trending in that direction. He's trending in bust direction. We talked about D-Rob, D-Rop, as I love to call him, as a lot of people love to call him because he drops everything. Uh, maybe he'll be fine. Who knows? We've got once you pop, you can't stop the K-State myth man legend Byron Pringle. Uh, who is only five months younger than Sammy Watkins. I really thought Byron Pringle was a young guy and he's 20, whatever, seven. Is that what Sammy is? Yeah. 27. Yeah. 27. 27. So Byron time to time to become a man. And we've got the sheepdog, Garrett Dieter. Uh, Is even an option? I, you know, I, I'm not sure. I, my, my, most salient memories, my two memories of Garrick Dieter in a Chiefs uniform are as follows. There was one game, I think it was in Oakland, the week after the Chiefs cut Kareem Hunt in 2018. I'm pretty sure I'm remembering this game correctly. Okay. And he got in to run like two routes, and he actually beat his guy. And because, I mean, it was an Oakland DB, so like, you know, he roasted him <laughs> on uh, on a deep route. And Patrick Mahomes overthrew him. And I only remember this because then it was a thing after the game where it was like, well, I got open and, you know, Pat couldn't hit me because yeah. whatever. Yeah, he threw him under the bus. It was great. And then that same season in the Colts game, I think he had, or maybe it was the Patriots game. In one of those playoff games in the 2018 season, he had a reception for a first down. And I remember that because he was extremely fired up. And I was like, oh, Garrick Dieter caught a uh-huh. pass for first down. Cool. Uh-huh. Uh, so in terms of his availability as an option based on that sample size, probably not, <laughs> but who knows? <laughs> who knows, man? I got a guy on the list though, that I did want to talk about because I keep forgetting that he's a chief, but the chiefs did sign him to a reserve future contract last year. And that's Antonio Callaway. You remember Antonio Callaway? I, I do remember Antonio Callaway. So he's a former fourth round pick. He's still only 24 years old. So, you know, you got the youth thing going, right? He was a fourth round pick for the Browns. Our our friend John Dorsey <laughs> snagged him in the fourth round because John Dorsey loves to draft, you know, talented wide receivers who have legal problems and off-field question marks. And so he signed him to the Browns. He had actually a pretty decent rookie year, 43 receptions, 586 yards, five touchdowns. And then he got suspended for doing drugs and he got cut by the Browns. And then he ended up with the dolphins last year. He didn't really do anything. He appeared in like a couple of games for them. Never really climbed the depth chart, but he was suspended for this first half of the year. And I will say like, if you're coming in to learn a new playbook and you know, you're still a pretty young guy, you know, maybe don't have some of the veteran savvy for learning a playbook that some of these guys that have been around the league for a long time have. You're coming in and trying to learn a playbook when you're not practicing with the team because you're suspended. I don't know. I feel like, you know, maybe, uh, maybe the chiefs can give him a fresh start. He's got, uh, he's got some, he's got some pop. He does. Uh, you mentioned dolphins and a fresh start and I just have to get this sneak, this little news bit in. Oh no. You remember Isaiah Wilson? Have you yes. been following this story? Yes. Jeez. So the Dolphins, the the Titans cut Isaiah Wilson after one year with the team. and Or no, they didn't cut him. 
they found a, tr- a trade suitor, but it was the Dolphins, and they basically swapped seventh round picks to send Isaiah Wilson. For a guy that they just drafted in the first round. First round the previous year, which has got to be some of the, you know, I mean, it's pretty tough to bail on a guy after the second draft doesn't even come up and you're already trading him away. And then three days after the Dolphins traded for him, he was late for some workouts and they didn't like his attitude and they cut the guy. That's just, uh, that's just life in the NFL. It's a tough life. Did you hear the latest news on him today, which is that he is now facing legal charges because he was involved in a high-speed pursuit with the police. Oh, I just thought he was showing up late for his physical. uh, Well, it was partly that, but then it was partly also because he ran from the cops. So uh, I'm not sure if they actually even knew about the fact that he ran from the cops when they cut him. They just cut him because he missed some meetings. But it turns out while he was missing meetings, he was also running from the cops. So Yeah, late for his physical, late for team orientation, skipped two workouts, and they cut him in three days. Yeah, I mean, you know, how many workouts did they even have in in three days, right? Probably two workouts and he missed them both. (laughs) It's not great. It's not great. So we kind of talked about the Chiefs in-house options. Not a lot of sizzle there unless, you know, one of these guys steps up and surprises us. The draft, Taylor. A lot of wide receiver options in this draft. uh, Something that we will be watching closely if the Chiefs make a move there. We may have some guests on to talk about the draft. You guys know by now that we're not big draft guys. We will analyze the players that the Chiefs pick when they pick them. But I did want to shout out a longtime favorite of the pod from the Brown family, not the Antonio Brown family, (laughs) but the St. Brown family. And this is Amun Ra Julian Hiru J. St. Brown of USC, who had his pro day yesterday. So he ran a 4-5-1-40 time, which isn't, insane it's not like a Tyree kill 40 time but it's not bad uh considering his numbers in these other categories so i was looking at his uh relative athletic score today he's got some pop he's got a pretty good relative athletic score one of the best in this class and that is because his bench his vertical his broad jump and his three cone all elite a guy that could be pretty interesting for the chiefs and is projected as a late second round pick so i don't know i don't know taylor i'm just saying like Having a a St. Brown on the team, and especially Amon Ra, which, let's face it, I, I don't know where you land on Equiminius, and I forget, which, what's the other brother's name? Um, Equiminius, Amon Ra, and shoot, I don't remember now. But uh, clearly not the um, – Amon Ra is like the most athletically gifted of the St. Brown brothers. They've always talked about – oh, well, his younger brother's coming up and he's going to be the guy to really look for. They've said that since these guys have all Osiris. been Osiris. Osiris. Osiris, thank you, yes. Which, Osiris is pretty badass. What I was going to say yeah. was Amon-Ra is a very cool, it's a cooler name than Equiminius. Like I, people yeah. know people know about Amon-Ra. You know, yeah. he's he's a cool Egyptian god. You know, I think he's the he's the sun one, right? The, the, the bird with the sun. Yes, he is. I just Googled it. Confirmed. <laughs> he is the bird with the sun above his head. Very uh-huh. cool. Uh-huh. Osiris, god of the underworld. Also cool. Equiminius, don't know that one off the top of my head. Still a cool name, but not not quite as accessible as Amon-Ra. I, no. I would be into that. And, you know, a four five one forty, like you said, although it's not eye-popping, do you remember what Demarcus Robinson's 40 was? I don't. Four five nine. Hmm. And we would consider him to be a pretty fast guy. They always talk about you know, the Legion of Zoom and D-Rob's right among them and all that sure. stuff. But I mean, sure. four, five, nine, he obviously, I think he either had a bad 
bad pro day or something, or maybe he sped it up since then. But either way, four five one ain't bad, and uh, you know he could uh, he could do some fun things here. Yeah, we do get a little bit spoiled sometimes by the fact that we have Tyree Kill and McCole Hardman on the team. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, you kind of look at a four five, and I'm like, eh, that guy's slow as shit. But yeah. actually, that's a very good forty time. I, you know, I mean, yeah. a lot of guys would be very happy with that. So. Uh, we have a quick mailbag question here, Taylor. Just we're going to pop this one off really quick, and then we're going to roll into our little AFC West free agency roundup based on another mailbag question that we have. This is from uh, a first-time mailbag asker, at Jadair Paulo. Uh, love your work. Got a question for the mailbag. Do you see bad moves from Veach spending top money on a guard, first round on a running back, and second round on a linebacker? Those are not premier positions by analytics. I see good football players there, though. So he's talking about Tooney, obviously, um, CEH, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and then Willie Gay, the second rounder at the linebacker position. What do you think about this, Taylor? Well, you know, it doesn't really – you can't – the gambling fallacy of, of, like, chasing what you put in is is something that the fans have got to get rid of. So once you spend the first-round pick, it's spent. And you've got to get – you've got to like the player just as – the player and not worry about you spent a first on him or whatever. At least that's my philosophy because the draft is impossible. And if you really think that every single player that you get has got a slot into where in the draft you got him, you're going to be upset at most players. You really have to just now look at the production and the talent. And that being said, you know, Clyde, Clyde and Willie were um, fun and exciting members of the team last year and will continue to be for their throughout their at least the rookie contracts. And I don't know really much to think about Tooney other than the Chiefs liked him a lot. And if the Chiefs liked him a lot, I'm on board. Yeah, I think um I mean I think the way that I would sort of approach this issue is how much how confident are we in our football analytics? We we go back and you you read a book like Moneyball. We've talked about this on the podcast before. This is one of the first baseball books that I read when I first started getting really into sports. Yeah. You know, around the time of that aforementioned Carlos Beltran game to call back to earlier in the podcast, you know, my my junior senior year of high school. And I I've reread Moneyball a number of times over the years, and I will say the the analytics takes in that book have not aged incredibly well. No. Uh, I remember one of the things that the A's thought about analytics in the early 2000s was that defense was like 5% of the game or something like that. Like some some ridiculous number. Yeah, not and, important at all. And not important at all. And obviously that is laughable. And now that we have things like stat casts and launch angle and all these different things that we didn't have 15 years ago in baseball, we can measure – the impact of defense and we understand that it's actually quite important and and very good to have but they just had no way to measure that 15 years ago i think to some degree i mean football is going to be a slower sport to reach kind of perfected analytics because every player interacts with every other player on the field yep in a way that just is not true of baseball. We've talked about this before. It's not really true in basketball either. In basketball, you have some of that interplay, but you're also dealing with five players on each team and 10 mm-hmm. total players on the court. Football, it's 11 on 11. You have very distinct positions. Even in basketball, the positions are, are fairly blurred these days. You know, the, the analytics of football are just infinitely more complicated than the analytics of something like baseball or basketball. They are. And there's a lot in the sport that doesn't go down in the box score. You know, a lot of 
baseball analytics and basketball analytics are pretty easy to box score watch and to, to see the numbers that are compiled and all that stuff. Sure. Football, if you're not, you know, if you don't touch the football, then there's basically no stat that is involved in your play. It's, it's a lot of, you know, they're, they now have the microchips in the shoulder pads, which helps a lot with the team evaluations on where guys are in the field and all that type of stuff. But I don't know. I like, how much do we trust pro football uh, reference or uh, uh, focus? How much do we trust PFF? Like we toast them all the time on Twitter all the time. And I just feel like there's, so much subjectivity that goes with grading football plays and what makes a good play. And well, sure. if you weren't in the right position, was that your fault or was that the coach's fault or was that the quarterback's fault? Or like, there's just, there's so many unknowns that you can't boil down to a number and assign it to the player that it's just always going to lag behind. I agree. And I think to kind of wrap up my answer to your question, and we appreciate that question, Jider. Uh, I think the, to some degree, you have to trust the process that the front office has for these players. And you have to trust a hall of fame head coach like Andy Reed to, I think that the chiefs more than a lot of organizations are built and have a coaching staff in place to take positions that maybe we wouldn't consider to be high value generally and make them higher impact positions. Like you wouldn't consider safety to be a premier position or, you know, necessarily a high impact position, but you look at the way that the Chiefs utilize somebody like Tyron Matthew, and I, I mean, I think they are getting a lot of value out of that position, right? He's obviously yeah. he's an excellent player. Yeah. Uh, but but same deal. We'll see how they kind of utilize Tooney and the blocking schemes that they use. Who's going to be blocking next to him? I'm sure will will make a difference as well. But uh, it's going to be really interesting to see kind of how they utilize these players. I think the Chiefs have shown. They haven't really quite shown it with Clyde Edwards Hilaire yet, but I think they could, you know, just take advantage of what these players do well and positional value be damned, you know, they're going to get some value out of the player. So we appreciate that question. Certainly feel free anytime to shoot us a DM or mention us on Twitter. If you've got mailbag questions, you also can hit us up in our discord. We've got another one of our loyal listeners, Jack Kelly at big hand lawyer. Inspiring our next segment. So this was his question, mailbag question. We all know the Chargers look good on paper <laughs> every year, but end up with injuries and underwhelming play. If they stay healthy, how threatening do you consider them? So we kind of wanted to just take this opportunity to do a quick spin through the AFC West. So let's start with the Chargers, who inspired this question. Their major moves of this offseason, they signed Corey Lindsley, center from the Packers, to a five-year, $62.5 million contract replacing their center Pouncey who retired along with his brother from Pittsburgh. I can't remember which one is which, but the Pouncey brothers both decided to hang it up. Mike was the charger. Marquise was the uh, stealer. That's right. So replacing uh, their Pouncey, they brought in Corey Lindsley. They brought in to replace Hunter Henry, the ancient Jared cook at tight end for a one year, $6 million deal. They brought in Matt Filer, a right tackle. I'm not super familiar with him, but he signed a three year, $21 million deal. So he must have something that they like. <laughs> they signed their kicker to a one-year contract. Michael the Money Badger. Badger. The Money Badger. But they lost Pouncey. They cut Trey Turner, their guard. They cut Casey Hayward, their previously very talented cornerback. He had a little bit of a down year, but that was a little bit surprising. Yep. Where do you see the Chargers kind of fitting in here after the first couple of weeks of free agency? Well, the same place that I think I saw them before the free agency period started. 
I don't think these moves have really moved the needle much for me on the Chargers, which is that they have an extremely talented quarterback. And when you have an extremely talented quarterback, the other stuff, it doesn't take much to to get you on the right side. And if they are healthy and if nobody completely blows up, I mean, they're going to be the second place team in the AFC West. I don't think that's – I'm very confident in saying that. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that the – the quarterback makes all the difference yep. and the difference between the chargers of the past and the chargers of the future is that Herbert looks like the real deal. He looks like a, a really good quarterback for a long time and that will take them a long ways. We'll see obviously how Brendan Staley turns out to be honest with you. I think there's a pretty good chance. Brendan Staley might be the second best coach in the division as yeah, well. Sure. And that's low bar, but yes, it, it's a very low bar to clear, but the fact that he's not over 50 and he's not John Gruden. Yeah. I should say not over 60 and not John Gruden because that's, that's the knock on Vic Fangio. I mean, he's old, he's crusty, you know, like he he's punting from the 40 yard line in a one score game when he needs to go down to tie the game against the chiefs. Yeah. It's not Vic's age. I mean, Andy's over 60. It's how he coaches. It's that Vic coaches like a hundred year old. Like he just, he doesn't have any concept of the modern NFL game. Correct. So I agree with that. I mean, I think the Chargers are probably the second best team in the AFC West. And to get specifically to Uncle Jack's point here, they always end up with injuries and underwhelming play. They've turned over a lot of the coaching staff. And I think the strength and conditioning staff is gone. It doesn't seem to matter who is coaching special teams there. It's always putrid. It doesn't seem to matter who is in the training room there because they've gone through several trainers over the last several seasons. They're just, they're just cursed, but curses aren't real. They have a good quarterback now. I think they're going to be pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. Uh, Let's shift to the Las Vegas Raiders because they are always fun to talk about. Buckle up. Uh, They released LaMarcus Joyner, their free safety. They traded away, not one, not two, three offensive linemen. So they, Traded away Trent Brown to New England for moving up two rounds in the draft in 2022. So basically pennies on the dollar there. They traded Rodney After Hudson. signing him two years ago to the biggest offensive yeah. lineman contract ever. Yeah, exactly. But now they traded him, so that contract's out of there. Sure. Uh, they traded Rodney Hudson after the news that they were going to cut him made them look like idiots. And they also traded Gabe Jackson to Seattle for a fifth-round pick. So, like <laughs> – and these were, you know, if the Raiders had one thing going for them, one, literally one thing, one thing at all, it was this offensive line and they just blew it up. They blew it up. So <laughs> they also um, brought in two running backs, Kenyon Drake and Theo Riddick, which is bizarre. I'm sure you saw today that they're going to play Kenyon Drake at wide receiver. Yeah. Yeah. So the the headline was a little sensational. I mean, the quote was like, they're going to move me all around and they're going to use me in the passing oh, game. Like, okay. I just saw the headline. Okay. They're, they're not going to, and I, I perpetuated that by just, I, <laughs> I tweeted it back out there. I amplified that <laughs> sensational headline. It's fine. I'll take some responsibility for that. But listen, whatever, whatever they're saying about Kenyon Drake, they're saying it because people roasted them correctly for giving 13 and a half million dollars i think guaranteed was the guaranteed money on him it was a lot of guaranteed money on a two-year deal for 
a backup running back when yeah. they literally got rid of four fifths of their offensive line. Yep. Uh, it's crazy. It That's crazy. like, I don't want to give away the theme of the John Gruden roast, but <laughs> this is a football move from like 1998 uh-huh, yeah. where they're like, I, the running back is what matters. Uh-huh. Who cares who's blocking for him? Jeez. We're going to bring in Kenya Drake and Josh Jacobs. We're going to dominate the run game with, you know, Denzel good. <laughs> our, our one offensive our lineman. One guy. We're going to yeah. put him out there. Just the, just him snapping the ball. Yeah. It's uh... sure Colton Miller and Denzel good. And <laughs> they're just going to run behind him and it's going to uh-huh. be great. Yeah, we'll see if Yannick and Gakwe can play offensive line a little bit. They, of course, signed the uh, defensive end to a $26 million two-year deal there. And they brought in speedy wide receiver John Brown, who had a really good year with the Bills. Who, by um, the way, supposedly took less money to sign with the Raiders. Did you see this? No. He said, I had another offer with more money from somewhere else. I don't think it was Kansas City or <laughs> We would have heard about it by now. But- Triggered. He he said he took less money to sign with the Raiders. I I I'm I'm telling you, Taylor, the wide receivers this offseason have been taking crazy pills. I, it doesn't make any sense to me what yep. they're doing, but whatever. Onwards and upwards. Yeah. Do you have any last thoughts about the Raiders? They're idiots, right? I mean, I that's, mean, that's I, the I that's the refrain there. They don't have a defense. They still don't have a defense. Signing, you know, Yannick Ngakwe, who wasn't very good last year and hasn't really been good since he played in that historic, you know, one year wonder Jacksonville defense in 2017, where they were incredible or where they were incredible. And they're literally all on different teams. (laughs) They're all on different teams now. And none of them are as good (laughs) as they were in Jacksonville when they were all playing together. I mean, he's not going to solve their defensive problems. The biggest contract they've given out besides that one was to a backup running back. I mean, it's an insane off season. They're having like maybe the worst off season of any team in the NFL. Uh, I, I, I don't even think I can't even think of who would be in contention for that other than the Raiders. They're a pit of despair as always. And I think they're going to finish in last in the division. I think they're going to finish in last in the division. Unless, unless, and that brings us to the Denver Broncos. (laughs) So that, yes, yes. That brings us to the Broncos who are of course have been a lot of fun to follow over these last several years. Uh, They started off by tagging Justin Simmons, their free safety, who is extremely good. Uh, They brought in Ronald Darby, the cornerback, for a three-year $30 million deal, which is fine, not much. Uh, Shelby Harris signed a three-year $27 million extension with them this offseason. And then other than that, Von Miller exercised his $18 million option. There was kind of a little rumor for a second that, you know, he might be going somewhere else, but... Um, after they tagged Justin Simmons, they then extended him for four years, $61 million. They, the bears surprisingly cut Kyle Fuller, the cornerback and brother of Kendall Fuller and Denver brought him in for a nine and a half million dollar one year deal there. Uh, yeah, Matt, he was a free agent for all of 15 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then other than that, uh, Nick Vanette is a, uh, was their second tight end and they released him and he ended up signing with the saints. That's basically all Denver stuff. they, took care of some of their own guys uh, and they brought in two quarterbacks and that that's their, that's their offseason. Now, Taylor, I, I heard a lot of guys there on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Have the Broncos, (laughs) have they added any offensive players? (laughs) No, none. Uh, In fact, they lost Philip Lindsay. (laughs) They cut Philip Lindsay, who by the way, is a Colorado native. He grew up in the Denver area. He went to, college at uc boulder and was much beloved by the broncos fan community in fact if you go into 
any sporting goods store in Northern Colorado, at least, or anywhere in Colorado before the, the last two weeks where he got released every Jersey in the store. I mean, like 50% Von Miller, 50% Philip Lindsay, uh, they decided to cut him and their quarterback is still drew luck. So I mean, where do we stand on the Broncos? This is a strange team. They should have a really good defense. I can't lie. I mean, that defense is, is very imposing on paper, but I, I've, I mean, Lock, like when you said the Raiders are going to be in last, I, my first instinct was, I don't think so. Really? I, I think the Broncos are bad. They're a bad football team. And when you don't have a good quarterback, nothing else works. And I know the Raiders have Derek Carr, but he's at least, convinced me a little bit that he can yeah. play better than drew lock can that's yeah he's okay he's definitely he's much fine. better than drew lock yeah, yeah, yeah he's, exactly he's fine he's fine so i'm i'm going i'm going chiefs chargers raiders broncos next year interesting i'm gonna go chiefs chargers broncos raiders but i i, I don't know i guess i guess we'll see what happens in the draft we'll obviously we'll see what other moves these teams are going to make but i don't know i mean the broncos at least do one thing really well or should do one thing really well they should be very good on defense i i think vic fangio is a good defensive coach they certainly yeah. added some they added some talent there they had a good amount of talent to begin with and they brought in some guys you know darby and uh, fuller can both play mm-hmm. i think they'll be they'll be intriguing uh I, their special teams will probably still be a pit of despair and their offense you know, goes as the quarterback goes and their quarterback is Drew Locke and he stinks. He's probably the worst. Maybe they'll draft a quarterback. So they might, they might. And if they draft a quarterback, all bets are off because I mean, obviously they're not going to be better than the chiefs, but they're definitely a team that it definitely does. And they're also a team that not that this seems imminent given the ongoing litigation, but a team that were they somehow to land Deshaun Watson Ah. in some pie in the sky move, they would be like, they'd be very good. Instant contenders. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I mean, they, but of course that's never going to happen. So it's fine. We'll (laughs) have to delete this podcast episode. If somehow they do pull that off, we'll erase. We'll be deleting our lives. If that happens, we will be, we will be, that will be a cloudy day in chiefs kingdom, but let's get to our final segment. This is the roast. This is going to be a shorter roast because the draft class that I pulled out of a hat last week, just, spoke randomly into existence is actually an extremely good draft class. So we're going to talk about 2011, pretty good class overall. I know you've crunched some numbers, Taylor. So, so hit us up, let us know uh, what, what was, what was going on with this draft class that was good. Well, so as we talked about um, these last two times we've roasted draft class, I have been, I pulled back every draft since 1970. That's kind of how I operate these days. And I looked at the two main things. You can't really judge an entire draft class on a ton of stuff, but one thing you can judge them on is how many all pros, how many first team all pro selections that draft class produced and how many pro bowl. Uh, selections they produced. And if our listeners remember last week, we recapped the 2009 squad that had six all pros and 54 pro bowlers, which were both the low watermark of the new of, of the NFL, of the, of the whole history of the league. So with that being said, the 2011 class had 30 all pro selections Woo! in the draft class, which not only is that up from six, but that ranks fourth all time. Of all oh of all thirty whatever or fifty years that 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 I pulled these numbers for, thirty is a lot, and their Pro Bowl selections were one hundred and nine, which is fifth most. So they wow. definitely, when you look at the draft class as a whole, 
were extremely productive and, and they had a lot of career guys that would do, you know, go on to do some really nice stuff, but that doesn't mean we can't roast them because like all draft class, they're not hundred percent perfect. And they did come up with some pretty bozo picks throughout there. And uh, that's what we're here for. Oh my God. Let's get into it. So I want to start. I, can I start? Can I, can I go? <laughs> you can start. Go for it. Okay. All right. And it is me. Uh, so I, I started with, you know, I, I knew coming in because you teased this last week, I knew this was going to be a good draft class. All right. I, I knew that we were going to have to dig deep to find some dirt on this draft class. And so I started with an obvious mark for an individual team that I knew, despite this draft class being loaded, I knew would have fucked this draft class up. (laughs) And of course I went to the Oakland Raiders. Yeah. And I was not disappointed. Spoiler alert, the Oakland Raiders did fuck up this draft class. They were terrible. Uh, They did not have a first round pick in this draft class because in 2009, two years before this draft, the Raiders decided to give 30-year-old Richard Seymour, they decided to give the Patriots a first round pick two years in the future for 30-year-old Richard Seymour, who actually, I, I don't really remember Richard Seymour as a Raider. He played there for four years. Yeah. And he was a two-time pro bowler. Yeah. I mean, like when I read it, I was like, "Uh, yeah, I kind of remember that a little (laughs) bit. But like certainly not a name. When I hear the name Richard Seymour, I I do not have any association with the Oakland Raiders. That's fair. So so he did actually have a decent uh, four-year run with the Raiders there. But they did go, unsurprisingly, 24 and 39 in his four years there. So that pick that they traded in 2009 ended up being the 17th overall pick. Patriots got left tackle Nate Solder, who certainly has had a fine NFL career, has certainly had his his highs and lows, but a good player that the Patriots got at 17 overall for 30-year-old Richard Seymour. So the Raiders' second pick in this draft was former Chief Stefan Wisniewski. And regardless of what you think about Wiz, you know, he 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 like Nate Solder. <laughs> Has had its ups and downs, and yeah. the Chiefs have seen them in two consecutive Super Bowl appearances, in one of which he was fine, and in one of which he was a disaster. But Stefan Wisniewski was by far the Raiders' best draft pick in this draft class because in the third round, they picked a defensive back named Demarcus Van Dyke. Oh, no. Who played in 25 NFL games. <laughs> Remember, a season is 16 games in length. <laughs> Didn't okay. make it to year two. <laughs> and he only played 14 games for Oakland because they cut him after his rookie year. Nice. So they they spent a third-round pick on this guy. They played him for a year. He started 14 games, and then they cut him because he was garbage. Then, then they traded their 2012 second-round pick to New England to move back into the third round to take a tackle named Joe Barksdale. <laughs> who sure. did not okay isn't he an mlb ump oh that's yeah, lance sure. barksdale oh yeah, sure. yeah. And they're probably brothers this is probably yeah. lance Bark- barksdale's brother or son or something i don't know how many <laughs> how many barksdales are there in the american sports but that's amazing joe barksdale did not start a single game in his rookie year okay and then he was also cut after his rookie season no so, so they took <laughs> they took two players in the third round and they cut both of them after their rookie years. The funny thing about Joe Barksdale, unlike Demarcus Van Dyke, who went on to play nine more NFL games, oh. uh, 
Joe Barksdale actually went on to start 78 career games at right tackle for the St. Louis Rams and the San Diego Chargers. So he went on to have a, not a distinguished career, but he had a passable career. I mean, this is a five or six year NFL starter at right tackle who the Raiders started at zero games and then cut. (laughs) I can tell you, I'm not going to go through the rest of their draft class name by name, but I can tell you it did not get any better for them from there. Stefan Wisniewski was their best draft pick in this class and he had his best years elsewhere, namely in Pittsburgh. So I there you go. I would like to shift to another easy target that, especially when you come up with draft failures, this team always comes up. And that is, of course, the Cleveland Browns. Oh. So so let me talk about let me talk about pick 21 or 22 in the first round of the draft. OK, let me just talk about that for a second. Why I say okay. 21 or 22. Yeah. What do you Yeah. Between 2003 and 2014, the Cleveland Browns picked 21st or 22nd six times in those in those 11 drafts. So they they went 21st in 2003, 22nd in 2007, 21st in 2009, 21st in 2011, which is this one, 22nd in 2012, and 22nd in 2014. And of those six picks, they're uh, they're not good. So. <laughs> So we start off with uh, maybe the best player of that, which was Jeff Fain, who is a center in 2003. They picked him 21st. Huh. And then in 2007, Jeff Fain. yeah, exactly. And he's probably the best one they did. Uh, 2007, they picked, of course, future chief Brady Quinn at, 20, oh, at 22nd woof. overall. Woof. And then at 21, they picked future San Francisco 49er Alex Mack who was also a center and he's fine. He's, he's still, yeah, he's he's had a decent career. Yeah. Right. And then we come to 2011, which was the year that we're currently talking about. And at 21st overall, they picked a defensive tackle from Baylor named Phil Taylor. Now, sure. Phil Taylor. Yeah. You know, Phil Taylor, he, uh, he only played four years and off to a bad start (laughs) yeah not a very great start played in 44 career games and was uh was not very good and so that was 2011 and then they followed it up with brandon whedon and johnny manziel were there were their 22s in 2012 and 2014 so if cleveland's picking early 20s watch out because you are in for a treat Oh no. Yes. Brady oh. Quinn brought Brandon Whedon and Johnny Manziel all picked 22nd by the Cleveland Browns between 2007 and 2014. That is horrific. I got to pivot to a team that has had some success in the draft. Okay. We, we got to give them some props. This is the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. They've had some good drafts. Okay. They, they won a Super Bowl. you know, six years after this draft class, they, they had their moments. But this was not one of them. This was a, this was a preposterously bad draft pick. Okay, a, a draft class. Okay, like they had eleven picks in this draft, which is a lot. Okay, they they had some ammo. They had the ability to make some moves. And remember, this is a very good draft class overall, right? Like, yeah, like one of the best draft classes ever. So you'd figure that a team that's picking eleven times in a historically loaded draft class would have at least ended up with like an average draft class, right? Sure. This draft class was was horrific. So out of 11 picks in this draft, they had four players that lasted more than four seasons in the NFL. Okay? Oh, no. So, so four guys that lasted the length of your average rookie contract, okay, that lasted at least four years. 
And two of the guys that lasted longer than that, i.e. lasted past their rookie deal, lasted five years. Okay. <laughs> so, so we've got, we've got two players out of 11 that played more than five seasons in the NFL. Okay. No, one of them. I don't know the other one. Oof, I don't know the other one either because I didn't write him down. I only wrote down the one good player they drafted in this class, literally the only good player they drafted in this draft class. Their sixth rounder, 191st overall, yes. the second best Kelsey brother, Jason Kelsey, a three-time Pro Bowler and Super Bowl champion. That salvaged their draft class because other than Jason Kelsey in the sixth round, they got literally nothing out of this draft. It's always sunny in Philadelphia cameo appearance, Jason Kelsey. That's right. That's right. Yes. Uh, t- television star, star of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Jason Kelsey. But man, Philly had, this is this is one of the worst draft classes I've ever seen. And from a team that, you know, usually is at least okay at drafting. Yeah. But boy, they, they botched it. The second best player that they took in this draft was their fifth round pick, 149 overall, Dion Lewis, the running He's back. still active. He is still active, technically, uh, <laughs> technically. And and he's the other player, by the way, who lasted yeah. more than five seasons. Right, because he's Lewis. still active, yeah. He's a backup running back who's yeah. still kicking around, who had like one, you know, good season for the Patriots filling in when James White was hurt. You know, like it was, it was a bad deal. It was a bad deal for the Eagles. Well, I'm glad you brought that Eagles draft up because the two players that lasted five years – were named and we did funny names last time. We're going to keep that going. Oh no, Jake Quan, Jake Jarrett, J A I Q U A W N, Jake Quan Jarrett, and Julian Vandervelde. Vandervelde. Vandervelde, who's a guard. The Vanderveldes. They were a railroad family. Yep. Probably rich, burned up uh, in some Vandervelde steel. <laughs> rich, moneyful family that the Vanderveldes came from. Yep. Fantastic. Boy. Uh, well, those were the, those were the worst draft classes in this draft. Can we talk about, can we talk about quarterbacks for a minute? Yes. Because I've been dying to talk about quarterbacks. Uh, let's talk about quarterbacks. You, you go, you go. And I'll, I'll just kind of chime in. So this quarterback draft class, which as you, you know, quarterback is typically in my opinion, at least, you know, it's easy to scout or easier. Um, they have a lot of attention. There's a lot of, you know, you gotta, you gotta hit on the quarterback picks, even if you don't, even if you miss on every other position and they're just, I don't blame these teams for missing because there was no one to hit. There was, there was cam cam went one, one and everyone knows his story. He, you know, MVP and 15 win year and all that stuff. And he's still playing. He's fine quarterback. Um, and went then to Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's good stuff. Uh, I'm sure Carolina doesn't regret that pick at all. He did great things for them. But then after Cam, you've got the second best quarterback of this class. Well, let me just go in order they were picked. So Cam was 1-1. Another top 10 pick was Tennessee picking Jake Locker, who also only lasted four years and was a complete flame out and never, you know, never did anything good for Tennessee. Which is wild because, man, you're talking about not only a quarterback, but a top 10 pick. And for him to just like... I mean, peace out. Crash right? and burn. Like, he, he isn't even playing as a backup. He's just like, I'm, I'm out. I'm done. Yep. Yep. That was brutal. Uh, 2011, 12, 13, 14, and then see ya. And then after that, another top 10 quarterback who at least is still around as a backup. He played for a little bit. Blaine Gabbert, who is one of the worst quarterbacks I've ever seen at the NFL level, but stuck around. I mean, you know, he's at least been been doing some stuff. So that was 
pride of Missouri, uh, Blaine Gabbert there. And then, you know, what's wild is that the Jags drafted Blaine Gabbert in the first round. And then two years after that, I think turned around Bortles. and drafted Blake Bortles. Yeah. In the first Blaine Gabbert and Blake Bortles. That is, that's rough. That's rough. That's rough. Poor Trevor Lawrence. He's, uh, he's the next guy in line. Yeah. They, they drafted Blake Bortles in 2014. So three years yeah. after Blaine Gabbert wasn't even off his rookie deal. And they said, you know what? We're done with this guy. And they, they drafted Blake And Bortles. nobody blamed them for getting, being done with Blaine Gabbert. But then when they saw Bortles, they were like, yeesh. <laughs> uh, 12th overall. So we are now at quarterback four in the 12th pick. Mm-hmm. Minnesota selects Christian Ponder oh, out of Florida no. State. And Christian Ponder um, was also ejected from the NFL after 2014. The same but he didn't, Jake Locker was. He didn't even retire, though. Right. No, like Jake, no, Jake Locker he, was like, I don't want to play football anymore. Yes. Yes. That's right. Jake Locker quit. Christian Ponder was forced out. He Christian was Ponder was like, I, I would awful. like to play football, please. Yeah. And NFL teams were like, nah, nah. nah. <laughs> nah we're good, bro. Super pass, Uber pass. Uh, then we finally have another quarterback that is still a starting quarterback in the NFL. And of course I'm talking about the red rocket himself, Andy Dalton, second round 35th overall pick, man. He was the second best quarterback in this class. He was the second best quarterback in this class. There's one other that I would say is on the, um, in that conversation, but Andy Dalton, the next guy off the board. Uh, no, because, I mean, he didn't last long enough. So uh, Andy's obviously started with the Bears. Colin Kaepernick was the next one right uh, – the pick after Andy Dalton at 36th overall. R.I.P. And, and, I mean, Ka- Kaepernick was good. He just uh, didn't last long enough. You know, he only played six years in the NFL. And, uh, he, you know, if it could have worked out a little bit differently, he could have had a much different story. But he didn't. Uh, after him was Ryan Mallett, longtime backup in New England. Uh, they picked him there in the third round and – Obviously, with Tom Brady playing, he never got a chance to do anything there. We would we would be remiss if you've seen the Ryan Mallett pass, right? Yeah, of course. You know what I'm talking about, like <laughs> of the, the greatest throw anyone's yeah. ever made in an NFL ever. game. Ever. Uh, we we've we've shouted out Ryan Pace's neck on this show. Google. If you guys don't know, what we're talking about Google Ryan Mallett pass, and I'm pretty sure that this pass will come up like almost immediately. It's like one of the best passes I've ever seen in the jaw drop of the NFL. Uh, but that's literally the only thing he's ever done. Yep. I mean, he had, he had one great pass and then, you know, that was it. So uh, we forgot to talk about the chiefs first round selection. Yeah, we didn't forget. Well, I didn't forget. I just chose, <laughs> I just okay. chose not to talk about him. So of course this was the year that the chiefs took John Baldwin in the first. Yes. And I mentioned that because in the fifth, we get to the uh, eighth quarterback off the board, which was of course, Ricky Stanzi. <laughs> Woo! USA, USA. Yeah, you know, he uh, also flamed out after 2014 and, of course, was terrible. Uh, TJ Yates, who did play for a while in Houston, um, as backup an emergency type of role. And then uh, one, pit, one quarterback before Tyrod Taylor, 20 picks before Tyrod Taylor went. I don't remember this guy at all. I guess he's a fifth-round pick, so I shouldn't have. But Chicago Bears selected quarterback Nathan Enderly, Enderly, Ender's game, Enderly. Yeah, that's uh, that's very, huh. that's a cool name. Sure, he uh, he has never appeared in an NFL game. Nope, I, I'm looking at his never has, never will, never, never had a snap. Doesn't look like he ever made a roster. He might not exist. He might, he might not. He might be a turtle's dream in outer space. <laughs> and then Tyrod, of course, Baltimore took him in the sixth round. He had a pretty good run and might be the starting quarterback in Houston this year. 
he might be he probably will be if things uh continue to trend in the wrong direction for Deshaun Watson or you know if he's traded who knows anybody else that you kind of want to shout out in this draft class anybody that you want to kind of throw in there Anthony Sherman was drafted in this draft class. <laughs> the Shermanator happy, happy trails to him drafted in the fifth round how about that 136 overall Anthony Sherman to the Arizona Cardinals Rodney Hudson, Alan Bailey, Justin Houston, some of the Chiefs picks in this draft. Yeah, pretty good draft for the Chiefs. Obviously, they flamed out hard on John Baldwin, but Rodney Hudson, Alan Bailey, and Justin Houston, all pretty good players for the Chiefs. I mean, obviously, Hudson and Houston had, you know, monster careers for the Chiefs uh, before they left. Uh, Yeah, I mean, a pretty, pretty decent draft class for the Chiefs. I mean, not, not great, but not terrible. Not the worst they've ever had, that's for sure. Ugh gosh well guys we appreciate you listening in as always that was the 2011 draft class you know pretty good class overall but there were some people that really botched it and uh, one of those teams was the Raiders because they're perpetually terrible and always a joke 